Welcome to This Is Influence. It's a show about how B2B brands and execs can become more influential. This week, I talked to Anita Vaselli. Anita runs social media, employee advocacy, and influencer marketing at Ericsson globally, which involves around 10% of their global workforce or 11,000 people. Their social first strategy helps her colleagues around the world to better reach and engage with their customers. And we discuss everything from why Ericsson runs social advocacy and influencer marketing in the first place, the economic value that it delivers to the company, why advocacy gets the most out of shrinking marketing budgets, selecting the right employees to become influencers and selling the strategies to senior management. This is old. This is new. This is Influence. Anita Vaselli, welcome to This is Influence. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. So to my mind, we're living in a world that's characterized by three things, as far as B2B marketing is concerned anyway. Number one, people don't listen to brand communications anymore. Number two, social media is pretty much pervasive and everywhere now across all sectors, but it's increasingly being viewed skeptically, uh, especially as far as AI is concerned and, and people's personal agendas and political agendas. And number three, B2C brands have really raised the bar as far as expectations of what sales experiences should look like online are concerned, and B2B brands are just falling way behind. I'd like you to, first of all, tell me whether or not you agree with that. And how do B2B brands stand out in in this kind of world today? Yeah, 100%. uh, I have to agree. And if you look at most of the B2B brands, how they are on social media, um, it doesn't feel native to your everyday feed that you see from real people and not from brands. So many times um, they still keep repeating the brand promise, which is really nice words put together, but do they mean anything? Can you relate to them? So obviously B2B brands have that challenge that no one's really listening to them, but again, asking the question of why. Are you giving any value or just keep repeating yourself? Um, And people want to have real connections. So social media is called social for a reason, because it's social. You want to engage with real people or with brands who you can also relate to. But of course, in a B2B world, when in technology, it's like really complex solutions, how can you break that down that is something engaging. So I think that's the challenge. The other one is how do you stand out as you just uh, asked the question. Uh, in November, when we were in, in London, we listened to the same presentation from uh, Analytica mm. and the immediate future, that if you see cloud, everyone's images are blue and white <laughs> and it's a cloud. How do you stand out? You might need to have a a pink cloud or something different that people um, can relate to and uh, they can easily identify that this is something different that they want to engage with. So I think all of these are really big challenges for B2B companies today. We'll come back to those challenges specifically in, in B2B in a moment, but I want to talk about your role at Ericsson. Your director of social media and advocacy, as I said, Um, in the introduction. What problem are you trying to solve at Ericsson? Oh, (laughs) what problem's not? Like, (laughs) where should I start? (laughs) (laughs) Not just one problem, (laughs) several. 
Exactly. I think uh, when you look at social media as a function, like looking internally in the organization, um, how do you enable the organization to become a social first company? That's one of the biggest challenges, because as social media started like 20 years ago, everyone could just open up uh, social media accounts. And most of the big brands end up with like more than 200 social media accounts. But are they well maintained? Are they still keep uh, telling the same story or not? So I think internally, stakeholder management, getting everyone on board that social media is not just marketing, is not just recruitment or sales, but it has to be embedded into every part of the organization. So I think that's one of my biggest challenges or one of the problems that I try to solve, that how can we get everyone on the same page and maybe do uh, more with less instead of uh, being having 200 <laughs> social media accounts? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you use social listening or data that informs you that you can be smarter and faster to market or on social rather than just listening internally and serving like your internal stakeholders? Because you have to have that balance in between what your customers or your external stakeholders want. And sometimes it's not matching what internal people want from you. So I think that's one of them. And uh, the if we look at social media externally, the problem that um, I'm trying to solve is how to keep the brand relevant, useful, and building brand trust with our different communities who are following us on social media. Hmm. So quite an easy job you've got then. Oh, uh, yeah, it's an easy one, right? <laughs> Okay, so so let's talk about that that first one then. How how do you make the business case for social media internally with stakeholders and senior stakeholders who I'm sure some of them are on board with the benefits of social media and some of them look at it to be honest quite skeptically. Um I think the skepticism has disappeared, um, at, at least in, in the past few years. It's rather the demand that, okay, we have to be on social, but the, the why and the how is not necessarily there. So I think there's that education part for uh, senior executives that social media is not that you have a hundred of press releases or different demos that the marketing or PR department created and you just spray and pray on all the platforms, but rather educating them that we need to have a strategy. Why and how do how do we engage instead of driving traffic to a website, what no one really wants to read? How can you bring those stories in feed that people want to engage with or they want to talk to? So I think that shifted that now it's not a question that should we be on social media, but it's rather the how. Uh, and that's a lot of education. And And that how really is born out of that leads me on to the conversation about influencers um, and internal influencers and advocacy, because I think a lot of people conceptually get that using their voice on social and using their accounts on social to amplify the brand is probably something that's beneficial for the organization. Um, as, we, as I said at the top of the show, people don't really want to listen to brands. You know, they much prefer to listen to individuals. And I don't really follow what brands say on social. 
Um, oh, you don't? Well, not really. I thought that you wake up every morning, like wondering like what Ericsson has been up to. <laughs> let let me check it out. <laughs> let me check what Ericsson has said over the weekend. What's wrong with you, Nathan? <laughs> it's, mate, it's, it's a problem. I thought I was just weird. But um, I think other people think the same way as well. But but no, I you know, as we know, people like to follow people. We're human beings. And I think people get intuitively the business case for influence, uh, internal influence. How do you sell that business case for influencers internally at Ericsson, given the fact that the demands on the senior leader's time is, uh, you, you know, when it comes to this stuff is, you know, can sometimes be quite demanding. Absolutely. Um, I think if we look at 2023, when most of the brands are being challenged with external factors, um, uh, there are many companies who are laying uh, off people, budgets are, are really, really restrained. You have to make the case that how can you be more effective with less budget? You always have to look at your strategy. What do you really want to achieve? And is it engagement? Is it that people are talking about your brand or they are engaging with, with the content or the technology? So ultimately, are you part of the conversations? So if, if you look at, for example, the 5G conversations, how your brand is showing up, what is the easiest way to reach that goal that you want to measure? First of all, the more people you have who are talking about you and your brand or your technology, the better you are off. If you have, like, you can have that route to have like 200 social media accounts, as I <laughs> mentioned before, and all of them are just like keep repeating the same thing, you are talking to a void. You are, you are broadcasting. But if you look at your internal sales teams, your executives, your uh, subject matter experts, plus the external community, which could be influencers or amplifiers, they can be content creators, experts, different realm, and you start to have those conversations, then it's so much faster, easier, and cheaper to get all those brand mentions that you wish for, working together and collaborating. And Ultimately, this also influences customers because, as you also said, that you want to listen to people, not brands, what they keep saying. First of all, sometimes you don't even understand what they were writing because super fancy words put together. Corporate but jargon right, speak. Exactly. Yeah. And this is where your internal advocates or internal influencers and the external community can take your messages and bring it to your customers or to your other audiences in a, such an easier and more engaging way mm. that you would never be able to do from the brand perspective. And also you get to access audiences that you wouldn't normally get to access from a brand perspective. Absolutely. You know, if you leverage 10% of uh, what's the size of Ericsson's workforce, over 200,000 people, that's a lot of people. Um, and you know, that's a lot of ripple effects. Talk us through then, what's the process for selecting internal influencers and advocates that can amplify your brand message? We have different programs. So we have one for all employees and it's called uh, Hashtag Team Ericsson, which is an advocacy platform. People get onboarded. They have uh, different e-learning modules that they can um, advance with their social media uh, journey from novice to how to become like influential on uh, social media. And it's open to everyone. 
Then we have uh, specific segments because everyone needs a slightly different approach. So we work with sales teams. How can they build their thought leadership instead of like the using LinkedIn, you know, as a new cold calling? Uh, how do you properly do social selling and what does that mean? Then for the executives, what is their role? Executives ultimately want to build trust towards the brand and then our experts uh, and our experts who are like mainly introverts because they are working in research or they are engineers. How can you take them through that journey that they feel comfortable creating content on social media? So obviously who are more open and willing to take this journey with us or already been active on social, but they need just a little grooming or holding hands. Those are the ones where we put more effort uh, with one-to-one coaching, with like group coaching, uh, different communities internally. So it's not just the e-learning and that's kind of like the program. But what I really also wanted to highlight that I or internally, we we still call them advocates, but I really like to remind everyone that our employees are not another channel for <laughs> the brand and they shouldn't just keep repeating the same messages, mm. but why we love to work with them because they have their own thoughts. And that's where we would like to encourage everyone to add their own thoughts, their perspective, their opinion, and bring that content to life in a different way than the brand does. And I can see why that would be an advantage for brands if their employees use their general thoughts and their general uh, way of um, expressing themselves to to bring the brand to life. I can see how it would also terrorize some uh, terrorize some brands as well by thinking, oh my God, my employees let loose on social media. Um, how do you get over or combat people that have that perception that actually letting my employees loose on social media without a filter could actually be be detrimental? How, how do you overcome that? Um, if you look at the future of work and organizations would like, you have to trust your people. Uh, they are grown-ups. There is a reason that they joined uh, your company. If you treat them well and you educate them well, what is okay to say? What are like just like basic rules that whatever is like super internal, financial, um, don't share those on social media. Otherwise, they are smart people. Mm. And why do you, if they can speak internally and they can speak to your customer, why they cannot take that to social media? Mm. You have to give that trust. And there will be some cases whenever it goes wrong, but how wrong it goes usually is just like, oh, that person didn't use the same branded expression. Sure. So what? (laughs) And maybe it's even better because someone actually understood that what you wanted to say. (laughs) It's communicated in a much better way. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So I think um, the benefits uh, outrun the risks that you have, uh, kind of like letting loose your people. Mm. Really interesting. So when it comes to really senior people in the organization, obviously it's it's a huge advantage for large organizations to get, you know, their CEO or their COO or other members of their C-suite in, involved in, in, in social selling. What's the balance between putting out thoughts and your own perspectives on social and then 
putting out some kind of brand message? Because at the end of the day, we do ultimately have to sell something to somebody. Is there a framework that you think about that in your mind? Uh, absolutely. I think the CEO or your top executives um, need a different approach than like your regular experts because they are spokespeople and whatever they say might have an effect on journalists or media or even like uh, stock prices. So it needs a lot more careful consideration that what is okay and what is not okay. Um, many times they feel comfortable speaking kind of like on behalf of the company, just they do like with, with journalists or kind of like in a press release. But if you turn it to a social media post, it, it it's not like <laughs> you can see that it, it, it wasn't them. It was someone in comms or PR who put it together and you have 15 links to different press releases. Sure. Like seriously. Yeah. Um, so, it's not easy to trick people on the other side. And what we are trying to educate them that they can talk much more about like the industry in, and not just about Ericsson or the products, because there are different ways to do that. And uh, whenever they build trust or connection with their community, when they also add value to them, it's going to be so much easier to take that to another level when it can be like the product or the solutions. But if they keep talking or just repeating what the brand does, they are ultimately not building trust. It's just super obvious for everyone that there's someone in the comms team who is writing their social media post. Talk to me about ROI and, and metrics and what metrics are important to measure the success of any internal or external advocacy program. You mentioned a moment ago that uh, this sort of approach is actually really more cost effective in many ways because there's so many, uh, there's a lot more pressure on, on budgets these days. What metrics are important to you to measure the success of a program like this? Uh, I think the metrics or, or what we are following always depends on what is the strategy. So what uh, and, and what are the business objectives? One of them, if we look at, uh, for example, Ericsson, that you want to be the leading voice in 5G conversations then how do you say that you are being part of that? Um, uh, it's quite easy that how many people are talking, it's, is it your advocates and the influencer community, and how does that compare to competitors? Super easy and simple, because I, I love to have simple solutions um, and simple ways to also show that what is the impact that our team has created together with like the, our internal advocates or the uh, external influencer community. Another way to, sh to prove success ca can be that whenever you have a, some announcements and we see that uh, our CEO is sharing it on LinkedIn, he outperforms the brand uh, post every single time and you know what people mm. are even commenting and mm. it, it's just these super simple um ones that i 
try to use with senior executives. Otherwise, of course, we have so many, like for sales, sales pipeline, adoption rate, so many things. Uh, in our advocacy program, we can see that how many content is actually working. Is that uh, something that our people want to share or they don't want to share? What is the engagement that they were getting? And we can sometimes translate it also back to numbers if we need to prove. So we can measure so many things, but whenever I like to show the impact i always focus on impact this is where we started this is what we've done and this is what we achieved these are the new challenges this is what we need to keep for the next uh, three months and these are the things that we need to drop so it's super simple i'm uh, just all in for simple solutions i want to ask you a question about ai and i know this is this is not not a question that i guess we've had much time to to think about but it's on the top of so many marketers' uh, agendas and, and questions these days. Have you had much time to think about the impact that AI and these sorts of tools will have on marketing in general, social media in particular, and and content creation? Um, because I think it's going to affect all marketers to lesser or greater degrees over the next over over the coming years. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at just social media or how many time uh, agencies are working on social copy or videos, or you have a video and how do you create engaging cutouts, uh, trans uh, transcribing a video and then creating social media copy takes a lot of time. And if you have AI in the back end, which is connected to your social media management system, you can do that so much more effectively. Obviously, you also need a human who trains the AI because and you need a smart human to train the AI. What, do you, what are your keywords? What are your hashtags that you would like to um, work with? Then the AI can also learn that was it engaging um, with your audience and then tries to create social copies and video cuts that bring more engagement. So I think in a way it's smarter, faster um, and can be even more beneficial for the audience. This is when I also believe that this is really, really good, but you will never be able to engage or have a conversation with an AI as you and me have it today. Not yet. Not yet. At least not yet. And I'm not sure I'm looking forward <laughs> right. to that. I'd rather have a conversation <laughs> with you, Nathan. <laughs> No, it's it's super fascinating um, future, and I, I think something that all of us are going to have to pay close attention to how the space evolves. My final closing question, Anita, um, it's one that I'm actually testing out on you for the first time. So, so let's so let's see how how this goes. But we are at your favorite restaurant, which is what is your favorite restaurant? Oh, do you have one? I don't think I have. <laughs> okay, well, let's assume that we're, we're at your favorite restaurant, whatever that place is, and you can invite three people, dead or alive, to be guests with you at your restaurant to make you smarter or better at your job in some way, shape, or form. Which three people do you pick? Oh, I, I would pick people who not only make me smarter or better at my job, but in general, like me. So... Um, I think I would go with, uh, I really want to have a chat with Obama. 
I'm not, and uh, uh, so he's definitely invited. Then my second <laughs> one uh, should be Kelly Slater, um, uh, surf, um, surf athlete, who is one of the best all time surfers. I definitely can learn a lot from huh. him. And I think the third one would be my brother. Why? He's always challenging me. He is really a smart guy. Yeah. Uh, he has a PhD in artificial intelligence, uh, for example. So we can have good wow. conversations on AI. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a really interesting dinner party. Obama, Kelly Slater, and your brother, who is an expert on AI. Yep. That will be a fascinating conversation there. Anisha, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is Influence is a production of Bridge Growth, the B2B influencer agency for technology brands. I could not produce this amazing show without our crack staff here at Bridge. Tyler Baller is our booker. Sean Ranwaller is our production assistant. Christoph Boaszczek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to This is Influence. <laughs>